Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast. My name is Jason Carapesi, and with me for the 75th time is... Oh, boy. Paul Gillieri. Oh, boy, indeed. Uh, I think it's actually 75th with an asterisk. We had a mini podcast, an NPC, uh, last May of 2020 in regards to WMA. But yeah. And, and I, I wish that I could say <clears throat> that the reason I sound so choked up is because I'm teary-eyed over this monumental occasion, Jason. Mm. But there is a particular festival that has robbed me of my voice and health for some reason. <laughs> Snake bit. Yeah. So you've got your uh, tincture there, as you yep. proclaimed it. God knows what's in it. Uh, well, you know, it, it's it's a hot water mm-hmm. and uh, about two tablespoons plus of lemon juice, two tablespoons plus of apple cider vinegar, the same of honey. Well, I, you could add honey to taste, really. And then uh, a little bit of turmeric and some ginger and some cayenne peppers and expectorant. And uh, you've got the antibacterial tincture of a lifetime here. So I'm hoping this thing's going to do its, its dandy, its handiwork well, in me. I, I hope that no one spills it. <clears throat> dandy handiwork. Get yeah, it? no, I'm, at me, that, it? that'll be a ceremoniously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, gang, off to a flying start. Well, obviously, um, we first of all, I should say thank you to those uh, that we met um, the weekend uh, down in Dana Point, California. We met people from Albany, New York, and from Kansas City, Missouri, and all over the Midwest, and in Seattle, Washington, and all over the the Southwest and in Southern California area as well. So, um, thank you if we said hi to you, and if you said hi to us, or if you said hi to me individually on Friday night or the previous weekend. Um, it was a pleasure. It's always great to have the community meet in in real life. And, uh, and say hi, if only for a brief moment or so. But um, that was awesome. For all of you uh, new listeners out there, please um, get on the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Give us a follow. Uh, let's continue the conversation in digital form uh, as we pump out these episodes. Got to um, follow the guys. Remember yeah. uh, we parked and we were, we were getting out <laughs> yeah. to, to walk and a group of people yeah. walked by. Yeah. And they started asking us questions about the, the show and mm-hmm. they, they had some questions and, and they looked at the shirts mm-hmm. and they said, oh, oh my God, you're the guys. You're the guys. You're the guys. Yeah, That's we are said. the guys. That's we are the guys. We're the guys. We're so the guys. Yeah, if, you, if you saw the t-shirt uh, and we met Anita from uh, Grunge, uh, Grunge Zine. So yeah. Awesome. A little photo uh, op with her and a little interview. And so anyways, uh, <clears throat> awesome stuff, guys. Awesome stuff. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. And uh, give us a rate, review, and subscribe. As Paul always says, feed the algorithm. There it is. So, uh, uh, of course, this is the episode that we talk about the weekend that was, the weekend that Jason was there and Paul was there. Now, let's, um, we don't want to go too, too long here. So, we're going to go through Friday a little bit more briefly um, than we would normally when we get to, to Saturday when, when Paul and I were both there. So, let's just go through the set list of 
of Friday real quick. Um, opened with low light into elderly woman into dance of the clairvoyance and never destination. Those are your first four songs as someone who is watching from afar, Paul, what did you, what did you think? I love the low light open. That was surprising to me in the most pleasant of ways. Um, really, really pleased with that. And, and, and it, it, it makes me wonder if the band's going to really diversify the way they start opening shows. I mean, are, is that a new thing where every show there's going to be a surprise opening track that you just didn't peg, you know? And so I think it'd be a, a wonderful wrinkle, actually, to, to the set list uh, design. It would be cool. You would think that they would have Long Road or Release or Oceans in there, and they did not. They didn't open with any of those songs this weekend. I think Oceans, I think, was my my call on Saturday that night was, yes. for, for the opener. I was dead wrong, but that was my call. I assumed, I assumed <clears throat> uh, release would get a t- would get a play because they hadn't played it. And that's usually a very common opener. Yeah. I was also wrong. Um, I enjoy low light. Elder woman is what it is. It's a lovely song, but I, I did say before that it is my most overrated song on the versus record that said, it's a great sing along. Uh, and it's a good way to get the crowd into it immediately at the top of the show. Um, as I said about the previous weekend, Dance of the Clairvoyance sounds way better to me live. It's got some teeth to it. I really enjoyed it. I think that was a theme um, of the Gigaton songs is that live is the setting for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, going from there into Never Destination, my first time hearing it, I again, I think it was way better live, more teeth. I really wanted to hear that song. It's one of my more favorite uh, songs on that record. So I was happy to hear that uh, into evolution. I am mine. Um, I am mine was something that was not to skip over evolution, but I mean, I am mine was came out of nowhere. It was the first time it had been played in 116 shows. That's a pretty long time. Yeah, it is. So uh, Riot Act doesn't get a lot of love, especially on festival shows where you've got limited time and usually shorter set lists as these. Well, not only that, but usually the the festival audience is not necessarily the same diehard variety, right? So you you oftentimes find the set list will veer more towards, you know, rear view mirror, discs one and two. Correct, correct. So um, I appreciated that. It came out of nowhere. That was really cool. Live debut of Buckle Up. Uh, I would say, I believe you asked me. Although I am mine is on. Rear view mirror, greatest hits. You, so, yeah, you know, <laughs> so, there you go. Um, yeah, bu- buckle up was definitely something that uh, you know Ed introduced it as this lovely stone song. They played it. I thought it was better than the record. And you had asked me which song did I think would come out better in the live scenario? Buckle up, River Cross. I think I veered toward River Cross, um, which we'll get to later in this set list. But uh, I thought Buckle Up did show off nicely. I did. I, it's still not my favorite song on the record by any means, but I think it did do itself some favors. Uh, Even Flow, of course. Uh, wow. I think Mikey was on fire both weekends, so his solo was cannot incredible lose. here. Parker Lewis cannot lose when that song gets played. <laughs> uh, Seven o'clock again. Uh, they've played it every new show uh, since since returning to the stage. It's again. Not my cup of tea, but it sounds far better live. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to Saturday's show. Moving right along, uh, I texted you when this happened. Nothing, man. Oh, nothing I know. Man. One of my oh, all-time God, favorites, man. and I and I wasn't there for it. I, I tell you, man. <sighs> the punishment of being fiscally responsible. 
It's a real kick in the, t- in the, it in the really teeth. Is. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Really the, um, it sounded lovely and, uh, I was happy to hear hey, it. I'm curious. Did, did we get some, like the warmth? Yeah, I've always know, felt like there's a warm analog sound to that on the album. And I, and I feel that when they play it live, it sounds very, um, I don't want to say tinny, but it has a, it, it's always this kind of plugged a, in acoustic guitar. It's a little more harsh. Yeah. I, I wish they just, they, they just play it the way it sounds in the album one time. I'm curious I, what that sounds like in an arena. You know, I don't is. know why stone continues to play on an acoustic. I don't think it sounds nearly as good to your point. Yeah. He's got a bevy of guitars. He could choose from to get that sound. Hell he's got, he's got, um, that brand new ES-335 that I mentioned. Actually, I incorrectly said that it had P90s last week. I was wrong. Many humbuckers <laughs> for all you guitar nerds. Um, but he has some other guitars that have the uh, the big tremolo that he could do that little um, tremolo effect. That, I'm sorry, yeah. it's actually a vibrato. A vibrato effect to make that you know record spinning thing that you hear at the beginning of the song. Um, and throughout the verse, I should say. I don't know why he doesn't choose. He has a Gibson Les Paul that does that. He's got other guitars that do that. I, I don't know. So it, it was lo- lovely, but again, come on, Stone. Let's play it a little bit closer to the to the album. From there, our namesake, State of Love and Trust. I know. Um, it was lovely, but... Ed, we were repped there for this. We were. Cool. We were. Uh, Ed fucked up the vocals, uh, the lyrics, uh, which was a theme throughout both weekends. Yeah, right. <laughs> as they tried to cram in together. All these uh, songs they hadn't played in a while. Uh, still lovely. He was self-deprecating about it, uh, as he was for other songs he messed up. Heading into Whoever Said, live debut, killed, in my opinion. I loved it. Uh, I, it's been, been one of my favorite songs on the album since that came out uh, nearly two years ago. And I was super stoked to hear it. Into uh, you know For the first time in 183 shows, Sweet Lou. Good are you Lord. kidding me? <laughs> well, I texted you, Sweet Lou, and you must have been laughing your ass off. Like, what the hell? Uh, I was. I'm like, what? What in the? <laughs> <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Well, what, but you know <laughs> that that's the cool thing about a Pearl Jam show. You might just get one of those little nuggets, you know. And and <clears throat> I'd like to see that in every Pearl Jam show. That would be cool. That's not true because they play too many for this, but you know, one every 10 or 15 shows, just throw in there. Like we're going to play bugs. What? Yeah. Why not? You know? And then do you think 10, sh- then, 10 shows no, later, let's do, uh, let's do the whale song. You know, let's just- <laughs> the whale just- song. Jack Irons comes out from, from nowhere. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm going to put the whale uh, song. Yeah. Oh, that's not why you should be here. <laughs> well, nevertheless, it was fun and it was silly. And it was, it was really fun watching, other people around me react to the fact that this was a song they had never heard of before. And yeah. my wife was like, what is this? And I go, it's kind of a joke song from 30 years ago. And everyone didn't get it. They're like, why is Ed and, uh, and jo- Josh Klinghoff are playing basketball on the stage while, while Jeff does spoken word rap or whatever. <laughs> so that was that. And then they went into yeah. better man. Um, kind of, it was, it was fine. They tried to tag people have the power, but people have the power have different chords than Better Man. And so instead of just singing to the meter of the Better Man chord progression, right, change the whole thing up. You know, like when they do when they do um, save it for later, they just kind of roll with the punches. 
Yeah. So it sounds like it's part of it, but this sounded definitely like it was not part of it. It was a little awkward for my taste, a little, little clunky. So uh, not a fan of that tag personally, but from there they went into uh, RVM and this version was tremendous. Uh, as soon as it was, as it was over, I remember thinking to myself, that was one of the best versions I've, I've seen in a while. And I think at that point we all kind of looked around at each other during the encore break and thought, wow, last Sunday, was definitely like a sound check in front of a lot of people. And this was like yeah. a real show because they really opened up and let themselves be themselves um, at that point in the show. Uh, out of the encore break, you got River Cross live debut. Again, I think it was better than the album. And I will say that because I couldn't hear the kalimba. Oh, wow. So that was great for me. Uh, if you like the kalimba, I'm sorry. Um, but it was, again, a, an improvement for me overall. To, oh, is it just like is he just playing the piano and I mean is it well, he's on the pop like, organ what? and Jeff's right. doing the bass and Matt's playing the little drums or whatever? Mike doesn't really do a whole lot and I in Stonehog does anything either. And it just it it felt more appropriate for the moment. Um mm. I don't know what it is. We'll get more into the performance of, of the new stuff uh in in total later on, but it it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I was glad to hear it because I am a nerd and want to hear every song of the new album. Oh. Uh, so we went from that into a tremendous closing, Garden, Why Go, Alive. Uh, oh my God, it was so good. It was so good. As soon as I started playing Garden, and you know me, I love Garden so much. I, went, I turned to my wife and was like, Garden! And she looked at me like I'm a crazy person, because I am. And that was great. Why Go, right after it was done, it was Phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal version of this was arguably the best set list, I think. Of it could have been. Um, Alive was great, uh, it, it, it did the business. Um, and they brought everybody out for all along the watchtower. Andrew Watt and Josh came out and played guitar all along the watchtower. That was really cool. And you know, Mike closed the night with Ledbetter, as you do. And he didn't go too, too long on the end, um, in the last part of the, of the um, guitar bit. And it was an overall really, really good show. Uh, and I, like I said, I think we came out of that one thinking, okay, the guys feel like they're finally back, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think people that are following at home, either on a, on, a, on a live stream or just following the set list along with uh, Live Footsteps or, or, or Randy from Live and Four Legs, they would have been like, oh, shit, this is a pretty eclectic show and by all accounts performed well. And it was, and it was, and it set us up really well for the last night of this double weekend. And that's when... Mm -hmm. You join me, and we get to Saturday, October second, the uh, the final final show of twenty twenty one, as far as we know. And yeah, um, could be. They, let's just get into it then. Let's get into the the first song here. Super Blood Wolf Moon. Loved it as an opener. You like it? Sure, man. It just it gets gets the heart pumping, gets the blood I, flowing. I think songs that have the drum start. <clears throat> Is, is always going to be a good sh good shout for yeah, starters. Yeah, exactly. Just or, get, get Matt. Matt just says, "All right, let's do this. It's a party." And then uh, you know me. I I've, I'm on record as saying this multiple times. I, I, this is the song for me where they get dad punk right. And and I was ready to just jam at that point. And I, at that point, they could do no wrong after that. And here's the thing: is that these new songs? Is that now this is the fourth time they've played all these songs or, yeah. or some of these songs like the Super Blood. And uh, or maybe it was the third for this one. It was the, I don't know, third, third, but uh, three out of four ain't bad. And so now they've gotten accustomed to playing it a little bit more natural to them. 
So before, when you're trying to remember all the parts, it can feel a little stale, a little forced. Now when it becomes a part of you, like, you know, old underwear, as Garth Algar would say, <laughs> uh, it was loosey-goosey and it felt more natural and it was really, really cool. And I was like, oh, great. This is a, a great start to the show into all night. Woo, curveball, curveball alert. What'd it was think? fantastic. I, I loved it, man. I, I, I like these, these, these little grab bag goodies. Had you ever seen it before? You know? I don't think so. No, Neither. I don't think I've seen it. And, and you know, when, when I listen to live boots <clears throat> and that ever comes across, it's such a treat. <clears throat> it's just this, this great little ditty and it's got a cool, uh, I don't know. It, it almost has a, like a Elton John bending the jets feel mm. or something to, it, you know, it's just, just this good old fashioned sweet rock and roll song, you know, really enjoyed it. Well, what's really cool about that song as well is that now that they have Josh playing as a another touring member, you know he is able to take some of those vocal harmonies and really flesh out what, which is the kind of the mainest, the mainest, the main component of the song, which is the vocal layering. Yeah. And so you know when they did this, you know, twelve years ago, and I think they had the gals from Slater Kinney on on stage with them, and they could really flesh that song out. And they played it a number of times. Uh, I want to say in twenty. 2009 in that in that time frame yeah. around pj20 i think is when they were starting to do that a little bit uh and it was it needs to have vocal harmony and so yes. have josh there to help with that was great from there into last exit awesome don't think i've ever heard it before personally so that was really cool. i think i might have heard it once before but it's always such a nice treat when you do did you notice that the tempo was a little bit slower i did and i kind of appreciated it actually I, I, jury's out for me and whether or not I liked it less more or indifferent, but I was kind of enveloped by the fact that I was so happy to hear it because the, you know, after the first weekend and Friday, I was like, are we going to get more kind of hits? Am I going to hear Corduroy again? Or are they going to throw in some more weird stuff? And I know that they had said, you know, a month or two prior that they had been rehearsing, a, you know, a limited number of songs, like 50, 60 songs yeah. for these shows. So, like, which ones would those be? Are they all going to be kind of the common ones? Your evolution, your given to fly, your better man, that kind of thing. So to get this, I was like, ooh, yes, awesome, so cool. Straight into Lucan, straight into Corduroy. That's a cool one-two punch. Oh, for sure. And, you know, you, you throw all night in there. I mean, were you a fan of uh, their Beatles cover, I've Got a Feeling? Oh, yeah. Okay, so all night is similar in that vein. I think it, it's just this great throwback of a of a track, and then when you start diving into that corduroy, I'm sorry, that uh, vitology no code stuff, like we were getting, it really made me excited about what an upcoming tour could have. Yeah, it really does. I think at that point too, having seen the quote unquote new corduroy with Eddie's, which I know you're band, not a big fan of. I almost because because Ed had to play that first Friday night in lieu of Kings Leon, and, and kudos to him for stepping up. He played it twice, both nights, Friday and Saturday. I I started to kind of resent the song a little bit because oh. I don't like that version so much that it made me. It was I hadn't heard the normal version in so long that I was like my brain couldn't comprehend what the what it was supposed to sound like anymore. <laughs> and so when they played it on Sunday, I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. I think I'm back to understanding how this song is supposed to sound like, and yeah. then they played it. They didn't play it on Friday. 
They come back with it on sun on Saturday. And I'm like, I'm back. I'm back on yeah. board. Love the song. I've always loved the song, but it, it yeah. felt like it was supposed to feel like, you know, I was, I was, it was just throwing me for a loop is all. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I mean, it's, there's a compelling argument that it's their best mid tempo song. Yes. So if, if you said to me, Corduroy is going to be a staple of pretty much every live show, I would not be surprised or shocked because of its popularity and its defining qualities. It's really hard to, to imagine the band not reworking it from time to time. And when we got the re-release, there was that reworking of the song on there as well. It was kind of like a demo version, if you will. Mm. So I'm more open, I think, to hearing variations of it for that reason. Something similar happened, I want to say, with the, then they, do like a, they did like a bridge school version where they had reworked a little bit acoustically, if I recall. That, that sounds familiar. I, I'm not replacing <clears throat> it, but it sounds so familiar. As I, that's one of those songs where I don't mind hearing it played in, in a different cadence, in a different way, mostly because I think that the, the, the chorus lends itself to be sung in a variety of ways. Yeah, I could see that. The verse I that. sometimes I feel can get butchered if you if you try to go too far off the beaten path. Yeah, it, it, the whole thing, the whole re- rearrangement to me just felt forced, mm. especially because it felt like they kind of gave up and just did the same ending when he ah, was yeah. Ed by himself. I was like, what, what's the point then? Um, but also, um, I, I, I will say that I appreciated the fact that they kind of reduced the interlude that they added. Because they had added like the sing along, the call and response thing, and then they added like another mic solo out of nowhere, and like this whole extended bridge, and then call and response again. And I'm like, there's no reason to extend the song. Just, just, just get right to everything as chance. And they did like a little mini mic solo in between, but there's no call and response. It was a little bit shorter than what they've been doing the last four or five years. So I was happy about that. But overall, Mike killed it again because, like I said, he was in Another World this weekend yeah. and the last. From there into Dance of the Clairvoyance, which you found out for yourself how good it sounded live. Outstanding. I mean, the Mike's guitar, you want to talk about out of this world. He could literally stand up there and just play that riff by himself with a spotlight, and I would listen. You, you always <laughs> like to say that it cuts. That's it your, does, that's your, that's your thing. It, it cuts, cuts deep. And it, and it does. And I, I think it was really cool to hear how Stone's bass sounded because it's really super compressed and a little fuzzy and it sounds different than it does. It sounds more raw than it does on the album. And then to hear um, to hear Mike kind of cut over Jeff's um, synth with that just cutting guitar riff, it just it pops out. It doesn't sit behind anything like it does in the record. <clears throat> yeah. You're always going to get an inspired performance with songs like these. Whenever you get a band member who's going to put down his normal instrument and Mm. pick something else up. And and there's another track that you and I will talk about from the set list where that happens again. But to see Jeff go sit at the, at the synth and, and, and do that, he just felt happy. So there was a a joy and it's almost like there was like a, like a cool DJ vibe that he had going on. (laughs) And and, and I I loved it, man. It's just, it's fun seeing them have fun. Well, and that's the key, right? That's what we've talked about with, with this record is how are they going to get on? And as long as they felt inspired and were having fun, good things would happen. And yeah, yeah we go from there into Quick Escape. And oh. I had seen it once before and told you 
that there was, again, a rawness to it and that it sounded pretty damn good and you got to hear it for yourself. What do you think? I did. And wh what I loved about it was there was far less production. Mm -hmm. And I think this song thrives with less production. I, I know there are people that will disagree with me and I completely respect that. The production's there for a reason and, and it adds a character to the song that would otherwise be absent. However, live, you really get to hear that 70s rock vibe that I think encapsulates what this song truly sounds like. <clears throat> you know, Ed introduced it as a science fiction story. Yeah. You know, to us. And so I think that that mentality is perhaps partly what drove some of the production. But when you strip some of that away and you find the essence of what this song really is, which is just a straightforward classic rock song, I think it, it really breathes when you take all that yeah. junk off of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it feels like an astronaut that, that you, it, it gets played live. It finally gets to take a deep breath. Yeah. You know, you take all the equipment off and it's like, <gasps> and that's how the song felt to me live. So it was love, yeah, love because it. you think about Jeff's bass line, which it's, you know, Jeff has a heavy hand in this, uh, in, the, in the creation of this song and he really shines. He really brings a song from A to Z. Yeah, and the it's, guitars it, it, it heavy. Yeah, the guitars kind of dance beside it. Uh, usually, in you know a band like this, the guitars are much more prominent. They're the ones really carrying the load here, and the bass is just kind of keeping things in time and moving things along. But Jeff is really the star of the show here musically until we get to the two leads. So you have you have Stone's lead, which sounds like a guitar solo, not like yeah. a processed straight into the right. desk thing mm -hmm. that I told you about on the previous episode. Um, which was lovely, I thought. And then, of course, Mike melting our faces at the ending. It was an interesting was kind of balance between Jeff and the guitars, I think. Absolutely. I mean, what I like about Stone Solo Live is there's a harmony to it. There's, the, mm. there, it, it, it's, there's a, a melodic quality to those notes that I feel gets lost with that production on the album. It just sounds like fuzzy noise in a lot of ways, like screeching, fuzzy industrial noise. And then when, and I'm not saying that that's a problem. I mean, it was an effect and it's cool and it lends itself to the, the theme of the song. But when you, when you play it live and, and some of that gets taken off. Now, granted, I mean, some can make the argument, well, you know, Paul, why don't you make that argument for a song like You Are off Riot Act? where I feel it's the production that is missing and that that's, that that's necessary. I wish there was more of that. And that when they do add those effects, it actually helps strengthen the songs uh, live effect. Well, you know but, why? Because impact, the, 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 the production of quick escape is what's filling in the gaps. Whereas the production, when we're calling, we're saying production because we're, it's the, you know, the, the added effects, the filters, right. um, not the straight instrumentation itself, the effects on you are, are what make the song correct if you don't have that that drum machine delay loopy thing program machine that that stone plugs into you just don't have the riff at all right so there's a, there's a huge difference in, in how that song is carried by production versus song quick escape where it's it's the whole album accents is, all that yeah, stuff is accents. it's done yeah. to accent what's being created and it, just different flavors different different you know throwing in some different spices into your curry you know it's yeah. not it, it's not like um uh, just cooking a, am I going to stick with, with food here? Um, you know, if you cook a barbecue chicken, you, you could throw chicken on the grill. You got chicken, you know, maybe uh, I'll, I'll say this. The truth. Speaking of, of analogies, we talked a lot on the way down about 
the Metallica S&M symphony shows. Mm -hmm. This song, Quick Escape, I think would sound off the charts. Well, if think you about the opening a, a, a guitar. Did it, did yeah, that's, did yeah. Did I mean, that, it would be strings. Epic. Yeah. That'd be killer. It really would. So, so yeah, a, a lot of possibilities with this song. And I think we got the, the raw, you know, the raw version of what this song could sound like. And it sounded mm -hmm. great. It yeah, sounded it great. did. Uh, Wishlist. Great. And I think we both agree. Were you going to say it? No, go ahead. I was going to say the ending was a little bit different than when we, I mean, Wishlist has been played a kajillion times. We've we right. all heard this song at least five or six times. And there's something about how they used to kind of just fade out with, with, with Ed doing the Ebo. Yeah. Or maybe he would tag it with something random. They never do the last verse that, that actually trails off on the studio. They never do yeah. that. But this one, they didn't do either one of those things. They sort of just kind of, it almost morphed into a new measure. Or yeah. Else, it was like a jam I mean? or something, but like it, it, it felt like it was like a, an extension a conscious, of the song. Exactly. A conscious extension of the song that I don't think we really heard before. So curious to hear that on the boot, how it sounded, because it sounded yeah. pretty cool and trippy. Um, Almost as if they said, hey, you know how we kind of just extend daughter with the same kind of groove? That's what we're going to do with, with Wishlist. And I, he, I can't you know, I can't remember. Did he even sing over it at the end? He did. He did, right? I, I thought there was a whole... Uh, whole he kind of made some shit that. up, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know if he made it up, but I mean... I can't remember it, exactly what he said, but, but it, felt like, it felt more like daughter as opposed to anything else they've ever done with that ending, which is really yeah. cool. Someone's going to be yelling into their podcast device right now that i'm wrong about something which is <laughs> uh from there into oh, i'm sorry they tagged putting on a friend hello that's what he was singing there you go my memory doesn't serve me so from there you're going into given the fly a song dedicated to a little boy named mikey who came out um covered in bandages because he's, he's an eb patient and we mm -hmm. know all about that from our eb rp not ours but the eb rp uh benefit last november by the way it's right. coming up again i've been getting emails so huh. that's coming up guys so get your checkbooks out and uh so that he came out here and said hello to everybody and they dedicated giving the fly to him lovely gesture and it seemed to soar a little bit more than i had remembered uh because i didn't seen it well i i saw the previous sunday but it, it hit a little bit different the crowd was really into this version maybe because it came yeah. off of a lovely wish list i don't know what do you yeah. think yeah it was a nice it's a nice coupling it always will be yeah from there into your first listen of seven o'clock. And you had been asking me when I heard it the first time, where are the synths in the chorus? Are they there at all? They're buried as they should be. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there is, and tell me if you agree with the sentiment, but and we keep talking about the new song sounding more raw, sounding more. I could have sworn down. some of that stuff. Stone was playing on the guitar. What the synth stuff? Yeah, it's there were a couple of parts where it felt to me like he was he probably maybe he was ad libbing over it or but I, mean, I listen, thought he was playing some of it. All the guitars were out. I believe Josh was even hitting some guitars uh, towards the end, at least. And, and of course, Mike Ed was playing guitar uh, outside of the verses. And there was it was a rock song. Now, again, it's not my favorite song on the record. I think it's way too long. I think there's word salad all over the place. <laughs> but at least it sounded like a rock song to me. And I, I know people are going to be like, you're boxing yourself in. Why you just got to listen to rock? Listen, for me, they're a rock and roll band, first and foremost. And so, especially for that chorus, 
on the record when the synths are just overpowering everything and it, it just feels like it's getting lost in this haze. Yeah. And in, in, in the, the, stu- the live version, I'm watching the guys, I'm watching Mike and it's just this big old strum hitting the chords. Like it feels like it's got some balls to it. Like there's some mm-hmm. teeth. I mean, that, that the lyrics in this song feel like there's a lot of bite. Like he's, he's, he's being pretty pissed off about it. He, you know, he wakes up, he finds out Trump gets elected. He's like, what the fuck? And the way he sings it on the record, it's almost like he's not okay with it, but he's just kind of like complacent or accepting of it. Whereas the live version, he, he, he sounded more pissed. Like he actually meant the lyrics he was singing and yeah. the guitars followed suit. <clears throat> and they did. I mean, there was a, everything complemented each other well in the live version. None of it felt pop produced in a way that I feel yeah. like the synths do on the album. And, uh, and, and when you get to hear it live, you get the inflections, I think, that maybe that's sometimes it. are subdued on the album. That's exactly it. When I say there's no teeth or there's no balls behind his singing on the record, or even the way that, the, that it's mixed because the synths are so high, it's just like, think about what the, what the story is here. Think about what he's trying to convey with his lyrics. Does the music or his or his performance on the record match that? I say it doesn't. And that's part of the reason why it, it bugs me as a song on that record. Because when you hear it live, and I heard it live for the first time, I turn my wife and I go, or she turns to me, she says, what is that? I said, that's 7 o'clock. That's that new song off the record that I don't really care for. But it sounds way better live. And that's because it, the, the song, the music, and the, and the vocal performance match what the song is trying to convey. Yeah. That's all I really wanted out of that. So I'm with you. Better. Much better. Um, I, I want to know if you guys agree with me on that, by the way, because I know seven o'clock is kind of divisive. Uh, into did you just in, say divisive? Divisive, 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 divisive. Tomato, tomato. I don't know. Let's either, either. I, uh, it's you know. divisive, but I like the divisive. I'm gonna I, go I, divisive. I, that, that was cool. Yeah, fuck all y'all. I'm going divisive. Someone might misinterpret. Did he? Did you say dismissive? Are are you? No, are you, really, no, no. I said divisive. No. Actually, our international listeners are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> There's only one way to say that word. And it's it's and, pronounced and, and, vitamin, not vitamin. And I will say, exactly. I will say <laughs> aluminum. Moving been. on. <laughs> so let's get on to Not For You with a modern girl tag. Uh, what did you think of this one? I'm a big fan of this track. <clears throat> Always happening. I think it's great live. There is a, um, that drum, you know, boom, bah, 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 boom. It just really, it always makes me think of uh, like rainwater on a snare that just gets popped off with each hit. There's something about the percussion of the song that it, 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 and it fits in with that melancholy nature of of just feeling like you're creating something and it's just trying to be exploited into something that it's not. And and what I liked about hearing it live, I mean, we've heard it live before, but to hear it live today was that there's so much music that very much is now for everybody that they make. And I wonder, because they, they don't need record deals like they, you know what I mean? Like when yeah. they play this song, I, it, it's the, the industry has changed so much. <clears throat> and I know this is probably a discussion that's better served for, for lyric of the week talk, but when you hear it live, there, there's something, um, about there's something transformative about the performance of it in a way that a live 
when played live seems to feel like it means something different to Eddie, the band and the crowd than it did on the album. There's something about not for you that I, 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 I get this. There's a, a prescient sense that it, it's evolving into something. Yeah. It's hard for me to articulate, but I mean, it was definitely pointed at the time. Um, I mean, I, I really have to explain, Hey, this isn't for you guys. It, it's, it's for the people who it's not for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, and I think that that over time, that's probably changed a little bit because he, I mean, he changes so many of the lyrics now. Um, yeah. I'm not suggesting it's a dated song, but I, I there's an evolution happening yeah. with the performance of the song in terms of the, he, he doesn't seem angry and put off the way he did when he would sing it in 95. He, he seems almost uh, happy. And it, it, there's a, a form of, of community when he sings it, which is yeah. not something you would think about with that song. We got so crowded. We'll have to make room. Yeah. Like, think, like lyric changes like that being more inclusive. It's, it's more like, I, I, I think this performance was a little bit looser than usual. Yeah. Um, I don't think he messed any lyrics up per se, but I think he actually forgot to play the guitar a couple of times. <laughs> it was definitely a looser. Uh, I, I do always enjoy the song live, even if I think the album version kind of can kind of in waves uh, catch my attention. But um, from there into even flow again. And mm-hmm. again, it was great for some reason. They both Friday and Saturday, especially it felt like when they got to even flow, they were like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're fucking, we're back. Maybe this is, they felt really at home. Uh, you know, the guys are getting up there in age, but they still did the little jump thing at the end of the course. Yeah. Uh, Mikey again, wailing. He's playing it with his teeth. He was That's playing so it with his teeth. I think, I think, uh, Ed may have come over at some point and played with his teeth. Grab the whammy um, too. I mean, it was. Yeah. Were, I mean, he was all over the place. It, it, it was, he didn't want to stop. I mean, I think the guys looking over thinking, are you going to stop anytime soon? Or no, we're going to do a nine minute even flow. Got it. Cool. Okay. So again, I heard it a million times, but there was something in Mike this weekend that, and, it, and it made it extra special. A man possessed. He was, he was. And from there we go into take the long way. Oh, uh, so not the debut, that. but the first time either of us have heard it what did you think outstanding it's uh it's one of the more underrated tracks for me on the album i always like a matt cameron song when when he he, he finds that groove and it just crunches and and uh the, the, the uh, it's not a syncopated drum pattern right but i mean it's a very unique complex one i mean it, it would be hard to replicate i mean it's a uh, it's a sure lot of fun. <clears throat> yeah, it's, there's a, it's, it's a bizarre time signature, you know. It's, so it's there's definitely something about that song that when when played live, you see the band really gets up for it because I think it challenges them. There's something yeah. about it, and you wouldn't think so because it's not, it, it's not a power chord driven song, but there's something challenging about the performance that I could see that they like to get up for it in a way that they do for a lot of Matt Cameron songs. It definitely felt like it was the second time <clears> I played it. Because it was, it, I really, really enjoyed it. But you could tell that they were kind of looking at each other to make sure that they were on in the same part of the song. Like, okay, yeah. we're, going, we're going here next. Yes, we are. Cool. And so they never, they never lost their way. But it didn't feel as tight as it will be like in the spring when they've played it like six or seven more times, you know? Right. Yeah. And at that point, you're going to be like, wow, this is fucking wild. Like when Mike does his solo at the very end of it, they're not searching to get back to the chorus. No. And then... The outro, I think, I think kind of, I think everybody but Matt 
kind of sort of got lost for a half a second going to that out that slowed down outro bit but right. when they all got back together you know a bar later it wasn't much it sounded really really cool it does it, that that was a song to me that i i felt this will age well this track i think it's it's one of his finer it's compositions not, it's not dad punk but what is it because it's it's pretty up tempo it feels like a riot act song it feels like something i mean if it feels like I could see it on Backspacer. Sure, yeah, I, mean, I could see that as well. But you listen to songs like Get Right and, and some of his other compositions, and it feels like a lot of those were sketches that mm. ultimately would lead to this. Mm. I don't know why I think that, but it, it's, it's, it's far more realized track to me than, than some other ones. It's more, I think it's more complex than those other ones too. Oh, yeah, there's without more, There's more things happening in this song than, than Get Right, for example. Uh-huh. Far, that's why I said, I mean, when they're up yeah. there playing, and you, you can tell that it's a challenging song to play. And tip of the cap to Josh Klinghoffer for trying to uh, channel his inner Jessica Grandal yes. on, on the court. I, could, the I, thought, I thought Brandy Carlo might come out for that one. I'm surprised. That would have been cool. That would be yeah. a good, good shout. Um, but she did not. She came out a little bit later. Uh, but up next was Unthought Known. Hey, listen, you know, and we haven't seen the band in a long time. And, and some of you have been like a backspacer song on thought known, like it's good, but like, you know, we only got 20 songs or so. And dude, that was fucking cool. That song is, is a song. It's great live made for the, the gems and rhinestone song played at oh night my, in the I open air. It. Are you kidding me? We've never, I mean, I've never heard that song played outside. Mm. So to, to be able to look yeah. up, by the way, where there's very little light pollution, yeah <laughs> and to look up into the sky and see some stars and see the tops of the palm trees and like i did that i looked straight up in the air when he was singing those lines like this is fucking great yeah, it is and the great. fact that we hadn't heard that in god knows how long and it's it's kind of like hearing i am mine out of, out of nowhere you're like oh shit that uh-huh. song cool so that that was a really fun little surprise um leading into daughter and daughter was i thought very great i thought it was very very mm-hmm. good i was actually Really surprised there was no tag. But so was I. I, I thought that was a foregone like a conclusion. Bit, and that was it. it. Just did. And I, you know what? I'm okay with that. Me I'm kind of ready for that song to just be more of a self-contained track. And and here's the thing with that. I think I think we all enjoy the tags, um, especially if they aren't, um, if the specific tag isn't assumed. As what I mean is like, okay, is it going to be? Um, another, another brick, brick in the, the wall, wall or is it going to be WMA or is it going to be like the other one like there's always kind of like two or three that are the go-tos and he used to be much more um, in the moment come, with it. exactly yeah. and just come up with weird shit or sing really random songs as the tag and that's what people really enjoy daughters on the one hand you get the song that everybody loves but then you get this really cool who's, who knows what they're going to sing as a tag it's okay another prime example of a beautiful uh-huh. tag but man what if one of the options was no tag Give yourself those three minutes back for another song. Yeah, just mix exactly. It up, is all we're saying. Variety, the spice of life. So I enjoyed that version of, of Daughter. From there into a song that I told you beforehand would not get played, and it was played. That is once. <laughs> yeah, you were like, this is not going to get. Because I asked Jason, I said, hey, name me one song that you think, oh, well, they've got to play this tonight that you ultimately are now thinking, I bet it doesn't show up. And you said, I bet it's once. I don't remember what mine was. Do you? Yours was... Man, I want to say it was off of 10 as well, but I can't remember what it was. I don't think it was Jeremy. It might have been. I don't know. 
Anyway, so we got once and it, yeah. it jammed, man. It was perfect. Yeah. It, at that point in the show, they were really, really in the groove. I mean, now we're into the better part of their fourth show in yeah. two weeks. They hit a stride. They're hitting it at that point. Their, their stride has been hit. They killed it. I mean, listen, obviously, uh, my, uh, Mike, obviously Ed is not going to hit the notes like he used to, but the crowd interaction on those parts was fantastic. The band performed the song perfectly. And it was a lovely song to hear because I really fancy that song and that opening up is fucking killer. And to go from that straight into black, holy shit. And it wasn't even the end of the first set, but like, so you get, we, we hear it once we're blown off, blown our socks off and then you get your song. I get my song. And, and I told you if there was, if I had to have one song to get played, it would be this one. It's my favorite Pearl Jam song. And I got to hear it every time I go and they nailed it. I mean, Mike's solo was euphoric at the yep. end. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just loses himself in this transcendental plane <laughs> and we just go with him. We just go there. You just close your eyes and you are somewhere else. And, and it's full of, I don't, you're like riding a surfboard across the Aurora Borealis or something. It's really hard to describe how amazing closing riding your eyes and listening to that. surfboard across <laughs> the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> Put that on a fucking t-shirt. Uh, I should, um, I should. Um, we'll have to get Matt to design. <laughs> <laughs> it was an outstanding version. Um, the crowd was into it as, as we all always are. And, and I love the intro to it. I told it was you. clean. I told yeah, you. Yeah, Stone brought it in beautifully this time. It was lovely. It's it's the new guitar. It's the new Gibson. Everybody mm-hmm. praise the new Gibson. Um, from a lovely version of Black, they brought out Brandy Carlisle. They played again today, which is a really cool cover that the band yeah. did on a cover. I'm sorry, on an album of covers of her album called My Story, called yeah. Cover Stories. And uh, I, I always like that song, and I love when they do the duet. They did it in Seattle. Yeah a few years back that I happened to see as well. And it was just, it's a, she's great. Brandy live might've been the most impressive thing I saw that day. To be I'm honest telling you, I mean, I I'm a huge you, Pearl Jam fan, but I, I go, I, we, we need to get there for Brandy because I told you that she was great the previous weekend and she fucking crushed. And I was so happy to have her come out. Cause I, I, I hope I wanted it last weekend and she didn't come out. Um, but for better man, which was a little, a little odd. Um, it worked, but it wasn't like again today, which is her song. Of course. Yeah. But those two play off each other really well, I think. They really, really do. And you could you could tell they genuinely love, respect, and enjoy each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm, that's just the best synergy. From there, I think a great segue into Smile. Hey, second song of the night. When was the last time, if ever, that there was a set where Jeff and Stone switched instruments twice? I cannot recall one. Maybe, maybe never. And this is a song that you and I talked about. This and Red Mosquito, like, they got to start playing these again. Yeah. You know? So it, it was, it, Smile has always had that cool, crunchy guitar to it. Uh, I've always Jeff, felt it was yeah. one of the, 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 the better songs on No Code that really didn't get a lot of love. And if that's going to find its way back into the rotation in the live it, circuit, on, I'm all on for the it. Surface, oh, yeah. On the surface, it's a very simple song. But we talked about it in a lyric of the week, and it's got some depth to it that you don't really recognize. And I really appreciate how the guys pl- pull that off and play it. Yeah, it's um on on livefootsteps.org's rarity scale. It's an eighty-eight, uh, meaning that it's quite, quite, quite rare. One hundred ah. being the rarest possible. Um, from there into we, it was a, a treat. We were treated. We were treated. Uh, from there into 
Porch. Now, Porch, Ed started it with his guitar and his vocals, but he uh-huh. didn't start it on the halftime feel that he had been over the last number of years. He started it at the proper tempo, and the band kicked in and then blew our fucking doors off for the next 10 minutes. Yes, Jason. It was the type of song. There was a guy next to me that was looking at me, and he was saying, is, is he going to write pro-choice on his arm? <laughs> is he going to stay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he, he, was, was, yeah. he was nuts. Oh man, he was super into it. Yeah, he was really into the idea of trying to replicate unplugged. Well, think all, about and, what Ed said before the song. He was going off on the whole. He was Texas talking song. about exactly. So he, so he was so pissed. I actually, if somebody had written, if if, if you took a, a man or woman in the front row who wrote what he wrote on that 1992 show on his or her arm and tossed the sharpie on the stage, I can almost guarantee you he would have probably written the same thing. I was thinking that he might do that. It felt he didn't, he wasn't like crazy pissed off like he's been when he was younger, but you could tell when he was talking about that Texas law that he was pretty pissed. And so when he started playing in porch, there's a bit of that old feisty Ed in there. Yeah. And it it kind of transcended through the rest of the performance. The whole interlude just had this energy to it. That was fantastic. I know. And the the cool, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I was just saying, and when it came back in, it didn't didn't go on for too long. It didn't overstay its welcome. The no, it didn't. But a lot of what you and I talked about when we discussed what this tour could be like was how does the state of affairs here start mm. influencing songs that might otherwise find themselves in the rotation, like Rearview Mirror, like Daughter, like, uh, in case in point, a song like Porch. It, you just look at current events and you can't help but think, all right, we're going to start hearing a song like this again. And when we do, I bet it's going to feel charged. Searing. Searing. Uh, and it was awesome. And it ended the first set as it often does. When they came back out, they only played a couple of songs. But we got Wasted Reprise into Life Wasted, which hasn't happened in a long time. No, it's a lovely beautiful to, way to do that. too. Lovely to hear that song again. I can't remember the last time I personally heard it. But it might have been no sex, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, that, that one-two punch... Is is great, and it's a great way to get in in back into the set from a, from an encore. I know, I agree. It, uh, it, it and I like how he was talking while Boom is just playing in the background. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know what's coming. You, you you know the melody. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. And it's, you're waiting for it, and it's just it's it's just a beautiful background music. While it's that preamble, you know, it's that preamble uh-huh. that he does. And then it was it was interesting because um, they did play it a little bit slower. Just like the last exit, they played a little bit slower than the record, which threw me for a little bit. But it's still they still rocked it like like they had been playing it for every night for the last three or four years. So that was a really cool surprise. Um, right into another version of Alive that Ed did not fuck up the vocals to. Another fantastic solo. Um, I mean, Alive is alive. Huh? It's, it is what it is. <laughs> you you get that moment. Everyone's just at the end. All the hands are. In unison, you know, hey, hey, and hey. that's the moment for me in a Pearl Jam show where I actually turn away from the band and I just mm-hmm. let that energy just like a, like a wave, just a swell, like the tide in and out over and over. And, and it, just, it just, and then you're at Doheny Point, man. I mean, you're, you're, you know, at a beach, pardon me, you're at Doheny Beach and the waves are behind us. Literally, it's just, just a fantastic uh, show. And Eddie cited that a few times, actually. He did. He did. And, and I did, uh, grab a little video that you guys may have seen on, on our Instagram or Facebook of uh, basically the crowd behind us. And I, I kind of swung the camera around at the very end of the song to capture what that was like. 
Um, for those of you who haven't seen that in a little while. So I hope you enjoy that. And it, it definitely felt as cool as it looked. So th there's that. And for all, all the rest of you that have, or that were there, you can attest, you can attest. Uh, and of course, you kind of knew it was coming, rocking the free world with every person imaginable. Literally. Tim <laughs> Robbins. Who else was there? Uh, it was just Brent the fact Tim Robbins out. was that <laughs> Corinne and Carrie from Slater Kinney. Yeah. Taylor Hawkins on the on the kit. Chad Smith came out to also play on the kit. Uh, Andrew Watt, Patty Smith. John McEnroe was hanging out for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Like a or something. I don't know what the hell was going on. So just an all-around uh, just madness. It wasn't too, too long, which is good, because that song can get a little long in the tooth sometimes, but it was lovely to see everybody kind of enjoying themselves. That was basically the main key for me, was just to see everybody enjoying themselves um, in a moment of commonality. Like, we're, we're, we're here, we're still alive, and we're rocking in the free world, guys. So let's, let's remember this moment kind of thing. Yeah, it was a wonderful ending to a beautiful set. Do you have any closing thoughts on your first Pearl Jam show in eight years? Just the fact that it was my first Pearl Jam show in eight years alone is just hard to fathom. I was, I was thinking when you pointed that out to me, I was, it blew my mind. It really did. And I'll be honest with you, watching them play live, it's like I had just seen them. There's something so familiar about seeing Pearl Jam. And I think that's the fabric of what makes this community what it is, yeah. is, is, is that, that common thread that everyone shares. And it's because of that that I, I, I almost didn't believe you when you told me it had been that long. <laughs> That's how familiar it felt. And uh, I miss it already, and I can't wait to see him again. Do you think, uh, or I should say, how do you think the new songs sounded? Fantastic. Uh, I can't think of a track. Now, you heard almost all of them except for Comes Then Goes, mm -hmm. which is pretty nice, pretty sweet for the old stat tracker, my man. That's right. I am a little further behind because I did not catch every show. But that said, Every song I did here, I could make a compelling case sounded actually better live than it did on the album. And that's always a great sign because the band is on record earlier in their career saying that the reason they make records is so they can go out there and play them live. And the fact that they've actually gotten more creative in the studio and more adventurous, ambitious and experimental, and that hasn't compromised the ability to bring these songs out live in a way that makes them feel fresh and, and uh, tight and just awesome. Couldn't ask for more than that. Couldn't agree more. And I'm looking forward to listening to these shows back on the bootlegs, assuming that they put them out there. Yeah. See, maybe it, it, how I don't it, need this as a box set though. I, I feel like this was a tune up. I don't think this so was a lot, yeah. I don't, I don't think the performances across the board, you mentioned a lot of, of flubs. It, it, it'd be hard to see putting this together in that fa fashion. I'm, people would buy it, but I mean, I, I don't know how often you'd want to necessarily hear these versions of every song. You know, in the same way that you want to hear the, First time hearing binaural in Bellingham, Washington, maybe. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So there you go. Anyway, guys, there you go. There's uh, the first time Paul's heard a Pearl Jam song played live in eight years. Um, you know, only a couple of uh, times for me. And it's just good to hear live music again. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly I'm affected, right? Yeah. I mean, Mike melted my face off and uh, I no longer, I barely have a voice anymore. I've been staring at a skull for the last uh, hour. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get to our lyric of the week. Lyric of the week this week. It, Paul. It was it, there was weather today, as they say in in uh, in Los Angeles. And so there was actual lightning on the night we lightning. talk about lightning bolt. What are the odds? There you go in LA from it's 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 uh 
It was foretold. <laughs> Prophesized. Prophesized. Uh, from Lightning Bolt is Lightning Bolt. Always something and never nothing. Isn't that the way we're taught to? Paul, Lightning Bolt, you have said it's your most overrated song on Lightning Bolt. What say you about these particular sets of lyrics? Oh, you know, it's, it, I think musically, it just doesn't feel as fresh as I want it to be. Lyrically, I think it's fine. I, it, this particular set of lyrics to me is The Little Prince personified. I don't know if you ever read that book. The but, Little uh, Prince, go on, carry on. Zupri, you never, it's, it's a French uh, children's novel, but, uh, it's very much about how we're told at a very young age what is practical, what is right, what we should strive to be when we grow up. And that there's something about that, that, that lightning bolt, that calling within us that wants to be something that maybe goes against the, the commonality of what everyone else says should or should not be. And I think this song does a one, at least this set of lyrics does a wonderful job of kind of celebrating the need to rise above what everyone else is telling you you should and shouldn't do. And I don't mean, you know, well, I want to do drugs and they're telling me not to do drugs or I want to punch people in the face. And they're telling me not to, I'm, I'm saying if you want to, you know, I don't know what you want to do, man. I mean, if, if you say you want to work with dolphins for a living, and someone looks at you and says, eh, I think you should be a doctor. It's like, what? <laughs> you should get in the law. It pays back. I mean, why though? You know, and, and that's kind of, I think, what, what I'm talking about. I want to make my major in art history. It's like, what are you going to do with that? You well, that's a fair question. What are you going to do with that? And, and I think, you know, the, the what are you going to do with it question is valid. You know what I'm saying? Because especially if you're paying for an education, it's like, okay, you're, you're investing in yourself here. So you're educating yourself about art. Question number one, do you need to go to school for that? Or is there a, a way that you can, you can do that independently? Question number two is, okay, let's put ourselves there. We're, we're fresh out of school and we now have this degree. What, what, what is the, the vision? You know what I mean? Because the idea here is, oh, this is my vision. I want, okay, great. Well, what's the next phase of that vision? Well, what's the end game to that vision? What's the third, uh, the third act? Where's our, our resolution? And I think those are fair and valid questions. But as long as the answer involves some degree of fulfillment, self-actualization and realization and um, the validation of self, then I think that the answers are true and justified. And I think the song really celebrates that idea, particularly the set of lyrics. Mm. Uh, I think my interpretation was um, different side of the same coin. Okay. In that um, it talks about, you know, Black and white, no gray area, and that everyone wants, I shouldn't say everyone, too many people want others to be in a box because it's easier to judge when you lazily compartmentalize people rather than recognizing that they're nuanced individuals. And I think that this society has bred that in us, and this society, I'm meaning um, basically Western culture, American culture, although yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, we're, not, we're not the only ones who do it, I'm sure. Um, 
in all these, you know, he references books here, all the worn out pages, all these quote unquote books um, we use to help educate ourselves, including actual books, of course, uh, to find a better way, I think, are often what people are what help guide us to these lazy and immature and reductive solutions and judgments. And as we go through life, we find ourselves in different situations or stages to perform, to test us as we age and grow. And I, I think growing up, you are presented with a series of social tests, um, even when you don't even realize that they're tests from no. grade school all the way through high school and puberty and, and college age and all that kind of thing. There's always a series of tests in, the, in a social aspect. And all of this, when you still haven't even figured out who you really are yet, and you're meant to make these distinctions of others, it's kind of unfair, but that's kind of where we're at with this society, I think. And then hopefully you'll have that aha moment at some point, the, the epiphany kind of where it all makes sense, where you finally recognize what's important, who's important, and what lessons can be learned along the way. So if you have that moment, then you are now free to be yourself and therefore confident to find those who best suit you to be your friends, your loved ones, your soulmate, so on and so forth. So I think it's, you know, about having the courage to be self-aware of your, obviously self-aware, but also aware of, of your surroundings and that what's expected of you or what's pressured upon you isn't everything. You've got to push beyond that to find, you know, what's what's out there for you. And to make yourself a more confident person to to um, to get what you really want or to who you really want. And that's that lightning bolt moment. Um, and that could be a person themselves, uh, which I think the, the, the song really is speaking about in the broader sense. If you go into all the lyrics, it's about a person who does that for you, I think. Mm-hmm. It is. I think that this particular song seems to center around that. But when we do these and we just take lyrics in isolation, you know me. I like to have fun sometimes and just... Yeah. Part, you know, so how does this them, song them off and, um, uh, talk about the pro-choice movement for you? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Immigration reform. Talk to me about that. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're kidding, guys. We're kidding. Uh, so there you go. There's Lightning Bolt. I've always really enjoyed this song. I think uh, this grander story has some interesting points within it, and we've chosen this part here. So let us know what you think about this about this lyrical breakdown. And, uh, and while you're thinking about that, you can hit pause, and when you unpause, we're going to talk about our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! All oh, live cut of the week. Obviously, we're going to the Lightning Bolt tour. Mm-hmm. Lightning Bolt song. What's it going to be? Let's go to Buffalo. Ooh, Northwest Let's, it's State. Northwest State. Let's go Northwest to Buffalo. State. On October 12, 2013, I was not at that show, but everybody who was at that show says the energy was off the charts. And, and I, I feel, and I mentioned this to you off air, as it were, before I had, where this song is very much centered around inspiration. And I listened to every version that I could get my hands on of this track from that tour. And this one always felt to me to be the most inspired. And the more I read about that show and the energy. I mean, there were, there were fans that were crowd surfing. One guy had a sign that was like, wine is fine, but better is better. Eddie gave him his <laughs> bottle. Eddie gave him his bottle. I mean, there's, the, the energy was right. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of feel like that energy had a, was very much in a lot of ways, subliminally what Eddie was referring to in the track. And it just comes across. It, it's a tight, crisp version, but it, it, 
it's inspired. And so for me, it was uh, the best, the best sounding version. It was recorded beautifully, produced well. And I thought the, the engineering on it was solid too. Props to the, the engineers who put these things together from the, the sound ports. And yeah, man, it's, I think it's the best version you can get. All right. October 12th, 2013 in Buffalo, New York.
You know, when a song as upbeat, up-tempo, fun um, is sandwiched between Corduroy and Mind Your Manners and Do the Evolution, really, a song later after that, you kind of have to bring it. And they and so, did. And they, and they did. So you, you, you bring a song like this between all those other songs, you got to keep the bar high. And so when you talk about inspired performances, it has to be. It has to be. So uh, a, a well-chosen a well-chosen choice, Gilleary. Thank you, Jason Carapesi. You're welcome. Uh, there you go, guys. 75th episode of The State of Love and Trust. God, we're getting old. Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, I was asked about the T-shirts uh, on Instagram before Instagram went down the other day. And uh, yes, uh, we will make them available to you if you would like one. Um, yeah. I'm going to put a post out there uh, in the coming days maybe in the coming couple of weeks here about how you can get one. And uh, yeah, uh, you'll, you'll see the post and, and we'll figure out how to do it. And uh, please again, go on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you haven't already, give us a follow, continue the conversation there with your thumbs and uh, go ahead and subscribe right to the, rate the show, review the show. We read reviews. So the reviews help everybody. They really, really do. They help. do the reviews. We're, and, we're not uh, even kidding. It's a real thing. Yeah, it is a real thing. We, we, I mean, it's it literally helps push us in a way that makes us more accessible and it brings this conversation to even more people. And that's what we're looking for here. It's just a, a great community to continue to be a part of. And by the way, one last kudos. Well, actually, two kudos. One to Patrick Vogel from Albany. I mentioned his city before. He flew out both times for both weekends. Uh, met him the previous weekend. Super cool dude. He did me a solid and got me. By the way, I'm pretty positive that the Pope is providing his wife with uh, the distinction of statehood <laughs> this weekend. Kudos to, to Mrs. Vogel for yeah. letting him out and not being too pissed off about it, apparently. Um, Two consecutive weeks. I'm going to fly to the <laughs> opposite incredible. coast. And I'm it's just going to hang and watch Pearl today. Peace. <laughs> So kudos to both of the Vogels. Yeah, love and it. thank you for, for hooking me up with the, the Night 2 poster. We did a little trade swap for Night 1 and Night 2. Mm-hmm. So now we each have one of those. And, and another kudos to um, to Karen, who I believe is from Kansas City, who we, I missed uh, weekend one, but found me in the Albertsons parking lot after I bought some Sour Patch Kids and water ah. on the way out on Friday night. So thank you for, for approaching my car like a random psycho. And uh, <laughs> that was lovely. So... Uh, Everybody that we met, again, thank you for saying hi. And uh, you know what? Until episode 76, you have no listening to The State of Love and Trust. Still alive.